The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome. Today we have an exciting guest, Krista Resnick. I met Krista through a podcasting Facebook group and where I've met so many of the guests that have, we have had on over these past months and weeks. And I had the honor of being the guest on her podcast. And after our conversation, and it was an amazing conversation, I knew that we needed to get her on this podcast as well. So I'm so excited to share her with you. Krista is an empowerment coach, spiritual teacher, and leadership expert. She helps women develop a high-quality relationship with themselves by uncovering their purpose and being an expression of that each and every day. She teaches women how to live with courage, clarity, and conviction by leaning into who they really are, what they want, and how they're going to get it. Krista, welcome. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I had so much fun talking to you when I was on your podcast, and I'm so excited to continue the conversation here today. I know our energy together is dynamic, isn't it? It rocks. It totally rocks. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today, because when I went on your website, you talk a lot about self-care. And self-care is a topic that we haven't really talked about so much on the podcast. So I'm really curious to know, Krista, how do you do that? What does self-care mean to you and, and how do you help your clients get there? That's a great question. So the way that I really like to talk about self-care is there's different dynamics of, of self-care, right? And a lot of the way the world in our current culture talks about self-care is manis and petties and massages, right? Yep. <laughs> And those are really great things. Those are activities that I also do that bring joy and pleasure into my life. So I want to just preface what I'm about to say by sharing with you that there's no judgment around those activities. They are great activities. However, when we get off the massage table and enter back into you know, our cubicle at the office where there's loads of stress, or when we, you know, unplug the bathtub and the bubbles are running down the drain and the toddler is banging on the door, mommy, 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 right. <laughs> we're right back into life, right? We're right back into sometimes, you know, those stressful situations. And so what I like to really do is to help clients and people understand, women understand, that self-care is really about those activities, those things that nourish our soul. It's the deep internal work. It's being connected with who you really are and what your assignment is on this earth that brings you joy and creates your impact and then, of course, creating the boundaries and whatnot around those things to protect that. 
But that's truly in essence. When I talk about self-care, I'm talking about really the soul nourishing things that we can do to honor ourselves. And I would think that I love that. And you can't see me, obviously, but I'm nodding like crazy as you talk. You know, I love how you make self-care more about that spiritual journey, more about that journey of us expressing our true spiritual nature and our true gifts while in our human bodies. I think it's so important. How do you help your clients or how can people learn to listen to that? Right, because we have so many society teachings about what self-care means or what's important or what's valuable. How do you teach people to listen to what their soul really wants for them and, and, and to find what will really be nourishing on that deep level? Oh, that's a that's a loaded question. All right, sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, no, it's good. It's good. I love to be I love to be challenged. So of course there's not, you know, just one way, but instantly when you ask that question what comes up for me is calm, the power of calm. And that's where I start, whether it's a client, whether it's just a conversation with a woman that I've bumped into at the grocery store, whatever it is, we have to start with that power of calm, getting the nervous system calmed down. In today's culture, between social media, the high demands, everything we've got on our plates. Lots of us are running around at breakneck speed, running from this activity to that activity. And it's causing a lot of what I call, and I know you'll resonate with this, frenetic energy, right? We're just frenzy mode all the time. So we can't really do anything until we start to practice the power of calm. And really what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the power of calm is your breath work, right? Whether you do the four, seven, eight, and these are all beautiful resources that your listeners can, you know, Google and, and find YouTube videos, you know, or, or resources online. But the four, seven, eight breath is one of my favorites, the box breathing or the four, 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 but we really want to start by calming ourselves down a little bit. And when you start to calm yourself down, then you can start to notice. Then you can start to pay attention to what you really need and what's really going on at a deeper level. I think that's so important. And I will make sure to have links to those tools because I know both of those breath tools are ones that I use all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Know- Something else that you said really makes you think we don't live in a society, right, that teaches us calm, right? We live in a society that teaches us frenetic. And I think we also don't live in a society that teaches us how to listen to ourselves. Oh, for sure. Right? And I don't know, this is the question that's coming through and you you can take it or leave it. But I wonder if there's not a story under this from your own life about how you learned to listen to yourself, because I'm guessing that's something you've learned to do. Yeah. Yeah, I can actually give you a real story. And I'm, and it's still, you know, it's a story that still stirs me up a little bit. And yet it's a powerful story that I feel honored and privileged to share. It's probably a story that, you know, some of your listeners might resonate with. It's a simple story. But, you know, I lived in a ton of frenetic energy, probably, oh gosh, I have to think about this. 
Um, I'm going to say 15 years ago, between 12 to 15 years ago, I, I lived in constant frenetic energy. I was always trying to prove myself, right? I was a self-acclaimed people pleaser, a little bit of perfectionism, and I was a prover. So I had all three of those P's going for me. And what's the third one? That one I'm not familiar with. Proving, just trying to prove myself. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Trying to strive, just trying to find value in the world. Look at me, look at me, right? A lot of self-fulfilling type behavior, right? And so combine all those three, and I had a lot of frenetic energy because I was constantly putting everybody else before myself, which meant I had a full calendar with tons of stuff on it that really was all meaningless to me. Didn't mean anything to me, but gall darn it, you know, I'm going to prove myself to other people. I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to show up and be, you know, the best PTA mom with the most amazing cupcakes that will knock your socks off because look at me, aren't I amazing mom? Right. That's really what it was all about. That's what was going on. So I had a lot of kind of anxious type behavior, a lot of frenetic energy. Uh, I was constantly disappointed in myself, right? I was constantly blaming other people for all of my problems. I wasn't taking any sort of ownership in my life. And I remember one day I was just having a really, really challenging day. I was really just kind of in the depths of despair, I guess you could call it. And I was downstairs in the basement with my kids and I was trying to accomplish some sort of a task. And of course the kids were driving me nuts, right? Because I wasn't in a state of gratitude at all. I wasn't focused on all of the possibilities and opportunities around me. I was very much living in victim type energy, right? Life is happening to me. And my oldest son at the time, he was probably four or five years old. He's 21 now. He was trying to do something and he was just annoying me, right? Just bugging me. And I was just in this angry, kind of this angry fit of rage that day because I wanted to accomplish this task, right? And I remember he came up to me and he said to me that day, oh, keep in mind, this was four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I was still really? in my pajamas, not showered, right? I, I remember I had my robe on over my pajamas because I was in, I was just, I was spiraling downward at this point, right? And so he came up to me and he said, mommy, why don't you like me? Because that's how he was interpreting. I know, right? I know. And, and the blessing of that moment was it really created, created a massive shift, right? And he was interpreting all of my rage and all of my resentment, right? And my anger and my disappointment, he was internalizing that in this container of, I didn't love him. Of, of course, a little four or five-year-old is going to make that mean something about himself, right? He wasn't That's able what they to do. process. Yeah. He wasn't able to process that. Had I have understood the power of calm, here's the point to all of this. Had I have understood the power of calm back then, stopped myself, placed my hand on my heart, like I teach every client to do, taken a few really deep breaths, I would have been able to calm myself down and make a different choice, a choice that I was proud of. So that's really the power of 
utilizing such a simple, simple practice, and yet the results of calm are profound. It's beautiful. I think our kids are our greatest teachers. And so I just love that story. And I know in my own personal life, it was through, you know, my, the parenting journey that I really kind of found my way and found my path. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Absolutely. And for your listeners who are tuning in, you know, if they're mortified at this point by that story, Oh gosh, no. <laughs> you know, know and understand that, you know, if you're also in that place where, you know, where I was, a long time ago, that there's, there's grace, there's compassion. And my 21 year old today is living his dreams. He is a college athlete. He is just succeeding. And we have a beautiful, beautiful relationship because I was able to really switch it all around from that point on. And it's so important how you say that because part of the work that I do, I work with so many parents and so many children. And it's really important that, you know, we don't judge ourselves. We are all human and we are all learning. And the moment you get the memo and you wake up and you go, oh my gosh, this isn't working for me. Or, oh my gosh, this isn't working for my kids. That's the moment that you can change. And once you, you start to allow that, you know, that's what needed to happen. It's what needed to happen. It's what, you know, it's what brought you to where you are now. So exactly. Exactly. I think it's inspiring. Yes. Yes. And, and really what I talk about with clients is that was part of my soul curriculum. That was part of my journey. That moment needed to happen for me to have that wake up call to shift things around. And now I have that story to share with other humans to give them the permission to understand that we can switch this all around and there is grace and there is hope and there is compassion. And I really think, you know, you touched on something about the judgment. And I also think that is such a crucial piece of self-care is refraining from judgment. And it's not always easy because again, we've been taught as humans to beat the snot out of ourselves, right? When we do something quote unquote wrong, but to really start leaning into compassion for ourselves. And that is such an integral part of self-care. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's challenging for some people because we've been taught not to. How do you show people? How do you help people find compassion for themselves? Well, oh, it's a great question. We really pay attention to the words that are coming out of their mouth, that self-talk, right? we really start to analyze where some of those patterns and where some of those stories began. Because I think when you can go back into your own childhood and start to have knowledge of where some of these limiting behaviors and where some of this gross self-talk and inner critic behavior got started, I think there's power in being able to go back there so that you can do the healing work and really understand, you know, of course I told myself the story that I wasn't smart enough for 25 years because I had a, a second grade teacher that would scream at me and humiliate me in front of my peers. So of course I attached to that story of you're not smart, which drives us to have 
compassion for ourselves and compassion for these patterns that really have just been protective mechanisms. That's so beautifully put and so beautifully explained. And I have this image while you talk of, you know, having to go down there and find the roots of these things and then loosen those roots so that we can just pull out that weed. And yeah, it's so, it's so powerful and it's so important. I just, I love that. It's really important. It's really important because a lot of the clients that I work with, they'll say to me when we first enter into partnership together, I don't understand why I have every fancy planner, why I've read every self-help book. I listen to all the podcasts and nothing changes. We can't ignore the internal work any longer. The internal work is what makes all the other work work, right? <laughs> we can't yeah. just focus on action. Action is incredibly important, right? It builds confidence, but we've got to do that deep internal work. It is our responsibility as humans to go back and heal ourselves from those wounds that were created in childhood. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you do action, which is what most people do, just driven action based on those core wounded beliefs like I'm not good enough or, well, that's a good one, right? Or mm -hmm. I'm not enough or I'm not smart or I'm not, or I need to be in fear. You know, those kind of actions, they actually create more problems. You know, they will not, they will not lead you home to compassion, self-compassion. They will not lead you to happiness. And I think, you know, 90, maybe 99% of people in this world, that's their, that's our operating system because that's what they've been taught and that's what they learn. And they go unconsciously through their lives, not recognizing that the real work of life is inside. Yes. Oh, so well said. Beautifully said. You nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. With your own kids. How, do you, how did you help them? So you went through this experience, and I see this all the time, Krista, where kids internalize all sorts of stuff that their parents uh, taught them. And I see this both from the kids I work with, but also from the adult children that I work with. It's normal and natural, right? Kids respond to whatever's going on in their parents' minds as something's being wrong with them because they're naturally egocentric. So we all, we all have that potential for that programming. And of course, parents are also humans as I remind mine all the time, my offspring all the time, and my parents. But I'm curious to know, how do you support your kids with this? I know as a, as a counselor, we don't counsel our children, and I imagine coaches, it's the same thing. But you know, how, how, how have you taught them that? Taught them self-compassion, taught them? Yeah, I think just, yeah. What's the best way to teach your children self-compassion? Oh, well, I think a lot of times kids, well, I don't know if you, I don't even know if it's a lot of times or most of the time, really kids are not listening to what we say. They're watching what we do. That's just, it's how they learn. They're watching. They're little sponges, right? And so it's doing the work on yourself, whatever that means. Immersing yourself in podcasts, reading a self-help book, getting a therapist, a coach. None of us, none of us are immune to childhood wounding. 
right? We all have it, whether we, I mean, I, some of my clients have had great childhoods in terms of their parents, but they had, you know, a bully on the playground that relentlessly picked at them or there's always something, right? right. There's always something or a lot of my clients, because I do work with a lot of high achievers, they had high expectations at home. So they had these very well-meaning parents that expected a lot from them. And that can create a really jacked up belief system as well. <laughs> like, right. Absolutely. Not, right. They're not valuable unless they're proven and unless they're perfect. And unless they're going to Ivy league schools and things of that nature. So no matter, we're all doing the best we can truly with the skills, knowledge, tools, and awareness that we have, we are all doing the best that we can. And so again, it comes back to having compassion for yourself and just knowing and understanding that you've got to go back and do the work yourself. You know, you've got to do the work. You have to take responsibility for your growth so that you can step into compassion and be that example for your kids and really start to work on, you know, loving yourself well, honoring yourself, whatever that looks like. You know, for me, honoring myself is working out most days, right? It's honoring myself for me is eating foods that sustain me, that are nourishing. It's not partaking in a lot of alcohol. And again, there's no judgment around that. It's just, it makes me feel kind of wonky. You know, I have to be very careful when I choose to partake in some of those things because I have a big impact and a big legacy to leave in this world. And so when I'm putting some of those toxins and things in my body, I just don't feel good, right? Self-talk is huge. It's huge. Having words come out of your mouth that are loving and kind to others and to yourself. It's little things like being able to receive a compliment. You know, when somebody says, oh, hey, I like, I like your pants that you have. Those are really cool. It's not, oh, these old things. I, or, or it's not, oh, your pants are cool too. It's thank you. Right. Thank you. Those are all ways that we show ourselves compassion and our kids are watching. I think that was kind of a wonky, weird way of answering your question. No, it was beautiful. And it's true. They watch what we do, not what we say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's bringing me sort of to my next question. I know what the answer was for me, <laughs> but why is self-care such a hard sell for people? Because oh. it really is. Because it's not tangible. Oh. We don't have anything to show. We don't have any, I mean, really it's, it's, I know that seems like what, huh? And having worked with a lot of high achievers, that is the issue that constantly comes up is there's nothing tangible to show for it. There's no trophy. There's nothing to hang on the wall. There's no doctorate degree. There's no promotion. There's no book that happened that got published, right? It's like, uh, I did some self-care today and right? There's nothing to show. And yet, and yet so many people, as you mentioned, I think you might've said 99%, you know, they're walking around trying to give from this empty place, trying to give from a well that there's just nothing there and they can't figure out why this isn't working. Self-care is the place to start. I'm going to botch this quote and maybe you can help me, Victoria, but it's something along the lines of, it's a quote about meditation, something about meditation for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. And if you have a really busy day, 
you need to be meditating for like an hour. <laughs> right. No, exactly. If you don't have time to meditate, you meditate for more time. Yes. Yes. It's kind of the same thing. It's, we look, it's the way we're framing up self-care. Like it's a waste of time. It's really, what are you believing about self-care? If you believe that self-care is a waste of time and that you can just operate on empty, then nothing's really going to change for you. Right. If you hold that belief, then that's where we have to start is doing some beliefs around what are you actually telling yourself, the narrative, the story about self-care. And when my clients first come to me on empty, that's the story often that they're telling themselves. And they're telling themselves too, right? The story that most of us got is that you're not valuable and worthy as you are. You're not allowed to have joy and happiness now. You have to work for it. You have to earn it. And you have to keep trying to prove yourself. But of course, in doing so, you will be chasing happiness. And you will be chasing fulfillment. And you will be chasing that which you seek infinitely for the rest of this lifetime, if not many more. Yes. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Period. I, I actually had a client recently who held that belief, right, that you just said, I have to earn my self-care time. And so, you know, we did the work around putting self-care and filling that cup first. And it's interesting because I was just talking to a client about this this morning, how, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to self-care, they'll use the analogy of the airplane, right? And putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. And, and that's great, right? Right. But one day it occurred to me, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're putting on the oxygen mask, that means the plane's going down. Like we are in emergency <laughs> mode already, right? So why are so many of us waiting until we hit emergency mode? Let's be women. Let's be humans that put ourselves on the front burner so that we're always giving from the overflow. If you're not giving from the overflow, you are signing yourself up for resentment and anger and guilt. And nobody wants that, right? But yet we don't always know how to turn it around. Right. I always tell people too, once you've gone into resentment, chances are there are about five, five or 10 steps before where you should have said no, or you should have made a different choice, or you gave away way more than you, you got back. I mean, resentment is always a sign like up too little too late, right? Yeah. 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 And it's usually more about the choices that you made getting yourself into that situation than what the other person's doing, though clearly sometimes we have relationships that are consistently unbalanced that we need to let go of, knowing where you made the choices that you're making to get you there. Because a lot of times too, we don't fill our tank and then we're like, wait, why are you drinking all our water? <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So intuition, because that is the topic of this podcast. Tell me a little bit about what intuition means to you and how you experience your intuition. Mm, love this question. Oh, intuition is just, oh, there's so many roads I can go down. This is so juicy. It's letting, letting spirit speak, giving soul a chance to come forward and really giving it a voice, right? And then of course, leaning into trusting what spirit, what source, what 
you know, is, is being shared with you, taking action and really trusting that part. I think for me, intuition really comes in a knowing. Like, I just know, I just know, I just, I don't have evidence, don't have any facts, but I just know, like I know, like I know. That's how it shows up in my life and self-care again. The deeper work is stepping into trusting that. You know, I, I had a relationship that expired. <laughs> I like to say relation, relationships expire and they really do. I mean, a lot of relationships just have an expiration date. But I had a relationship expire several years ago. And it was such a gift to me, Victoria, because I had a history. I had a pattern of choosing friendships that weren't necessarily healthy for me, right? And so there were the signs all along. There was that knowing. It was like a, a yellow flag, like yield, yield, yield. And then they got louder and stronger and then red flags. And eventually I had to allow the relationship just simply to expire. But that's how it really appears for me is there was that knowing with this relationship, the very first interaction. But back then I wasn't in a place where I trusted it. So that's definitely the second piece is when intuition speaks in whatever way it speaks to you, you've got to, you got to trust it. Yeah. And I often tell people, and I've probably told, <laughs> probably said this on this podcast more than once, but I often tell people it's those moments when you don't listen to your intuition and then, you know, you don't get the result that you wanted <laughs> or something goes wrong. Even though those are the moments we sometimes beat ourselves up, don't. Because those are the moments when you have valid proof that your intuition was working and all you have to do is agree next time I'm going to listen. Yes. Yes. So one of the things that I love to share with people is there's no such thing as failure. There's, unless you throw in the towel and just lay on the concrete and say, I'm done, right? <laughs> that Maybe that would be failure, but let's switch from one F word to another. And let's switch it from failure to feedback. It's Love just it. feedback. And when we, when we, and words matter, Victoria, you know that. I mean, I am such a fan of words because I think everything that leaves our tongue, there's meaning behind, there's an energy behind what we're broadcasting out. And so when we start playing with the word feedback, well, all of a sudden there's not this strong energetic reaction to a word like that. We're just collecting data. That's it. We're right. literally collecting feedback. And so back to the relationship that I, that I had to let go years ago, it was gorgeous feedback because I tell you what, that was the thing that got me looking at my life and finally asking myself, maybe we need to do some work here around boundaries <laughs> and start to examine what's the pattern here because this has been a pattern for quite a few years and it was a gift because I was able to look at it as feedback and boundaries are a huge part of self-care that when I have you on again and I will we will definitely have to discuss <laughs> yes I love to talk about boundaries absolutely love it 
So Krista, as we're wrapping up, can you tell people that may be inspired to work with you what that would look like and where they can find you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're always welcome to come to my website, which is www.kristaresnick.com. Uh, that would definitely be one approach. If you're looking for, you know, that deeper dive one-on-one coaching, we definitely can, you know, have a conversation about that. It's a beautiful, beautiful partnership. I also offer an eight-week group coaching program that actually just wrapped up. Today was the last day right before we, you know, entered into this podcast recording. And I tell you what, Victoria, I just, I do have to brag on myself for just a second because <laughs> this group coaching program is, is a piece of work that I'm really, really proud of. The shifts and ahas that these women had in this group. So what we're doing is we're connecting to purpose, we're connecting to vision, and then we're creating a new belief system. We're talking about the subconscious mind and all of the garbage that got implanted in there as a child. But then we don't stop there, right? We can't just stop at subconscious work because if we're just stopping at our belief system that we're working in the morning and drinking our kale juice and meditating, but we're letting our mind run amok all day, well, what good are we doing? So then we talk about thought work, right? And we talk about self-talk and what it looks like to really love and honor yourself. And so that program will be kicking off in the new year. It's going to be a while before it kicks off. So that would be just another opportunity for your listeners to, to get in my energy and have some time to get to know me before that kicks off in 2021. I love that. And you have a podcast. I have a podcast. Yes, that's another way. <laughs> Yes, yeah, called the Selfish Badass Podcast. Yes, where I, I do a mix. I do a blend of you know interviewing really amazing leaders such as yourself that have things to share to help women up level. I also do some teaching, some solo episodes, and then I'm actually introducing a very new segment uh, kicking off in September. That is going to be some live coaching. So there's nothing more powerful than getting coached. And I think there's nothing more powerful than listening into a coaching session because when it's not you getting coached and your, your guard can just be down and you're soaking it up from somebody else's perspective, man, some massive learnings can take place because you're open. You're not nervous. You're just kind of hanging out, doing your thing, and you're really open to receiving. So that is something I'm excited to be introducing come this fall. Amazing. And we learn so much from other people's stories. So I think that oh. that's so powerful. Do we ever. Oh, and stories are what connect us. Absolutely. And I will have all of that information in the episode notes. So fear not. If you, if you did not catch what she said and you don't feel like rewinding, it will all be there. Krista, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners? Yeah, I just want your listeners to understand and know that it is your birthright, truly, to be a woman, a human of purpose, and to get to wake up every day and be an expression of that. That is your birthright. Your worthiness is your birthright, and you matter. Your voice matters, your prayers matter. Your meditations matter, your energy matters, your light in this world matter. All of it matters. And you're enough. And so that's really, I mean, 
all of the way you, I guess you introduced me in the beginning sounds a little more polished, but at the end of the day, you know, the work that you and I do a lot, you know, in this world is just teaching people how to radically accept themselves, fall in love with themselves and understand what powerful, amazing, worthy human beings they are. I love it. Thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we got to do this. Oh, me too. It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. Life is hard and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.